This episode of The Moms Network is brought to you in part by DuPage Medical Group. We care for you. Welcome back to the Moms Network. On this segment, Lindsay, Grace, and I are joined by Dr. Allison Escalante of DuPage Medical Group. Today, we tackle the topic of toddlers. Dr. Escalante, can you tell us a little bit about your practice and your background? Well, sure. Um, So I'm a pediatrician in Naperville uh, with DuPage Medical Group, but I'm also really interested in the epidemic of anxiety that we're seeing in parenting. Um, So I've given a TEDx talk for TEDx Naperville about that. Um, I write for Forbes in Psychology Today. Um, And I'm also an adjunct professor of pediatrics at Rush University. Well, you sound like you have a full plate, don't you? Um, so we're talking about toddlers. I have 16 and 7 year old boys, so it's been a very long time since I've been in toddler world. But um, as far as the conversation, we want to talk about what is typical toddler behavior and what are the things that go beyond that that we want to kind of raise a red flag and, and be, be conscientious of that we might need to reach out to a medical professional to get some help with. Um, to start off with, how do you define the toddler years? What's, what, what is the age ranges for it? Well, that's a very interesting question. Um, We tend really define it as when they begin to toddle. So that means when they're walking. And that's because that is a time um, that opens up all kinds of possibilities for them in terms of independence and getting into stuff. Um, And we often keep referring to them that way, even well into Uh, the twos, um, although technically that's a slightly distinct age group. And so as we dive into this topic, um, some of the things that people, moms deal with are those tantrums and even biting and hitting. So we're going to dive right into the tough spot, you know, the tough space of those topics. Um, What of that activity is somewhat normal and what is something that's beyond normal? You know, to a certain extent, um, most tantrums are, are normal. Uh, they have to be really extreme before they're not. Um, toddlers are suddenly realizing that they have agency in the world. They can do things and make an impact and maybe get stuff um, from their parents back. And um, it's very exciting. And it's also very, very overwhelming. So the majority of what we would call bad behavior by toddlers is really getting overwhelmed uh, when it all just feels too emotional, too much, too overstimulating. And that's where they tend to melt down. Um, It's also testing, of course, but this is a huge question. I mean, I uh, I think we could really dive into specifics on biting versus hitting versus tantrums. Um, But in general, we, toddler's tantrum when they just can't handle it anymore. I know, uh, Grace and Lindsay, you have younger children than I do. Um, How do you navigate this in your own homes? For me, um, since I'm on my second, my oldest is seven now, and we've survived it. So for me, that's kind of my gauge where 
if it looks familiar, feels familiar, sounds familiar, I, I kind of just work through it, um, knowing that this too shall pass and try to be there from emotionally, physically, lots of cuddles, getting through it. But there are some things because he's a completely different human that are new, brand new that we've never experienced before. Um, my little guy is our little Hulk. He's very aggressive. He loves to touch and tackle and Sometimes he can be a little abrasive, like not gonna lie, but for the most part, um, it is it is in a loving way. But it's new because my oldest was never like that. So we do definitely check in with our pediatrician just to make sure that like, is this okay? And um, is this gonna go too far, especially in a preschool situation where he's gonna be interacting with other students, which we've had calls about before. You know, our little guy is what do they call highly spirited is what they say <laughs> so we have found not that i'm an expert by any means we just have a four-year-old and a two-year-old but um, we have found that validating our kids feelings first helps a lot it just really helps them understand that you know if one of them is having a hard time we call it having a hard time <laughs> if one of our kids is having a hard time we can say i understand that you feel sad because and then fill in the blank with whatever they're going through um this morning, my son, who's two, got upset that um, I yelled at him because I was curling my hair for the show, and I had a curling iron on the counter, and I said, no, hot, <laughs> and I don't raise my voice a lot, but I wanted him to know that that was hot, and we should not touch it, and he started crying, and I said, Eli, did you get burned, or were you scared, and he said, I feel scared, mama, and so then he was crying, and I said, you need a snuggle, he said, I need a snuggle, so we snuggled. And I just give him a minute, help him calm down. Now, this isn't the type of tantrum, you know, that's, uh, it was reactive to something that I did. But um, I would say tantrums usually in our house revolve around snacks. So we have a lock on our cabinet to our, where our snacks are at because he can open up the, the little lever handle and get in and all the little baskets are there, very nicely organized. So um, if he's asking for a snack and he's having a tantrum, I say, Eli, you're having a tantrum. This is not okay. Let me know when you're ready to talk about it. Kind of let him be deal with it, feel out his feelings, and then we talk about it. Usually it means he can have a snack after whatever meal we're having next, or he has to finish his breakfast before he can have a snack later, things like that. So just validating our kids' feelings, um, I think has really, really helped in our family. Our daughter, um, that's almost turning five, she'll be in kindergarten next year, loved Daniel Tiger when she was our son's age. And really, I think Daniel Tiger really helped her learn words for her feelings and things that she was feeling. And that has just been helpful for us. I wish Eli was more into Daniel Tiger. He's not, but I think validating their feelings, a lot of people, um, other friends that I have that are early childhood educators or Emmy's teachers have told us that she's very well emotionally adjusted for the most part. She still has a lot of feelings, but she at least knows how to talk with them and deal, deal with them before she goes into a downward spiral and it doesn't mean it's not perfect. She still has those moments, but we're working on it. And, and that sounds like an awesome way to deal with it. Do you have any other tips during that time as a parent to um, help your child deal with those emotions, Dr. Escalante? Well, I mean, I think everything you guys said was, was really great. Um, I think biting is such a good example of um, understanding kids this age um, and how this happens because when kids bite, um, they can look very angry. They can look like they're trying to hurt you. And what's happening is they're totally overwhelmed and they lash out in an aggressive way. 
it's the fight or flight response, right? So overwhelmed, I'm going to fight, I bite. But what they don't have yet is the understanding of another person. They just don't have it yet. It's not, it's not built in the brain yet. And so when an 18 month old bites somebody, they don't get that second part that I've just hurt someone I care about. And because of that, you have to work with them at their level. So old school parenting, and this is still something that's promoted by a lot of grandparents is um, bite the kid back because then they will understand how it feels and they won't bite anymore. Um, but we've learned from child development that that doesn't work because they don't get it. So that would work if you understood that I bit someone and that hurt them and therefore this must be how it feels. But the only message the kid gets is mom bit me. That was really scary. What the heck is going on? Um, and so number one, understanding where they're coming from. And then number two, understanding that we can teach them better through connection. So um, what I always encourage parents to do for biting or for hitting or scratching is touch the body part the kid hurt with. In the case, it would be the lips. So you put your finger on their lips, you make good eye contact and you say, no, no biting. And then the other mistake people make is they talk too much. This is a toddler. We gotta give one lesson at a time. So you want to show them where the problem is and give a clear message, but a lot of people will then move on to a teaching moment and start saying things like gentle touches. This is how we do it. And now we've zipped right past the first lesson to a new one. The other mistake we make is adding emotion to our lesson. So we'll start saying no biting, no. And we say, and we sound angry. And now the kid is confused because now they've got to process the anger part and the lesson part. So the examples you guys gave were exactly this sort of thing right? You're tantruming right now. That's not allowed. And then you stopped talking and you let your kid get, get a handle on it. And then you were there for them emotionally. Um, and it's also, I'm not faulting yelling when, when they try to touch the hot dryer, right? We're, we're all going to sound a little angry when, when that happens, right? And, and that's obviously completely appropriate in a safety moment, but just getting kind of where they're at and that we got to keep it simple for them. I think I that's a great, great point to like not over discuss it, right? Because you can't have, you're not talking about a thesis conversation with, with a, with a two-year-old. Um, what, what would you say are maybe two other things that, um, to shift gears a little bit, two other things that we need to look for in toddler development, right? Whether that's language or gross motor skills, or what are the top two things that you see that you need to make a referral out for that parents should be kind of on the lookout for? Wow, that would be like the most broad million dollar question, right? Um, very hard to identify the top two things. Um, I, I put it this way. If you're as a parent having a persistent concern about something you're noticing in your kids, then check in with your pediatrician because we, we actually make these referrals in a very personalized way. Um, we look at the whole child, we look at their strengths in various domains. But for instance, let's say, I keep saying 18 month old because that's sort of the classic toddler age. Let's say an 18 month old isn't saying any words yet. That's a significant speech delay. I'm definitely gonna refer that kid, right? Let's say that 18 month old is tantruming more than two to three hours a day. I'm gonna refer that kid because I'm concerned that that overwhelm um, uh, is, is more than normal. 
And so that child would really benefit from an occupational therapy evaluation where they would do some sensory work to help that child integrate their nervous system and, and be able to handle it more. Um, so it's things like that. Uh, but, but you have to look at the whole picture. Sometimes the kids, you know, got, um, they're maybe not quite uh, running yet, but they've got all these other physical strengths. So I'm not going to refer for PT uh, for just one thing, if the picture, if the whole picture looks good. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's great. And I know it's, it's such a big question because toddlers are, it's such a, a year, year long time of growth or longer than a year long time, right? You think about going from a baby to a two-year-old and the massive amount of changes that happen in our bodies. Um, for, for, every, for Grace and uh, Lindsay, are there things that, are there two things that you've had to watch out for your kids just in a, in a, quick, um, in a quick thing to say? Yeah, I've noticed that some sensory issues with my youngest. Uh, there's, he doesn't like to get his hands really dirty, or if he washes his hands, he wants them super duper dry afterwards. So those are things that we're just trying to um, keep an eye out for, knowing that more exposure to things will probably help. Um, and actually being in quarantine has been a huge help because he's in the dirt all day long now. <laughs> so, so that's kind of phasing out, which has been great. Um, the other thing that we've noticed is he's really into body parts and this is ooh, doesn't matter where we are park front yard he will lift up my shirt and give me raspberries like loud boisterous gas like left raspberries in front of anybody anywhere and just doesn't you know doesn't really understand that that's not necessarily appropriate um but it's his thing and it's, he has a different body part for each of the members of the family Thankfully, mine is not what my husband's is, so yeah, it's very hot. <laughs> how, how about you, Lindsay? So we went through a couple of different things with both of our kids. Our daughter was in um, a little bit of OT for sensory, and she did some feeding therapy. And I, I think we talked about that at a past episode with picky eating and all of that, so I won't go into too much of that. But it, I think the best advice that our pediatrician gave us is that it doesn't hurt to ask. I'm thankful that we have a pediatrician and I know Dr. Escalante is wonderful at this as well. And she has a whole different world of should free parenting. And I definitely recommend that people look into that because she is very knowledgeable in that area. But our pediatrician always never shamed us for um, asking. I never felt concerned about being that annoying parent at our appointments of asking too many questions. So that has always been great. It doesn't hurt to ask. If you're concerned, ask and then trust the professional that you trusted to care for your kids to give you the best advice. And um, our son had a gross motor delay. So he did um, have quite a few evaluations through early intervention and he just always barely missed that cutoff for services. Um, I believe in the state of Illinois, there's a 30% deficit, is that correct, Dr. Escalante, that you have to have to receive services? So 27% uh, delay for our little guy at all of his evaluations, and um, he still kept that delay, but then he was um, advancing. So by the time he was um, just about 17 and a half, 18 months, he finally did start walking, and we never did any physical therapy or services with him, but it just helped that our pediatrician was always following up with us and asking us and um, just very open to hear our concerns when we had them. I think that is such a great point. And also kind of listening to that mom gut. I am pretty sure we could discuss this for like seven more episodes. Um, being a toddler and everything and the ins and outs of it are so challenging and so much fun all at the same time. Thank you, Dr. Escalante, for joining us today. And thanks for watching the Moms Network. 
Remember, you are always invited. This episode of the Moms Network is brought to you in part by DuPage Medical Group. We care for you. Of course, only real men finish the rustler. And breathe. I thought you said this was an intro class. Some situations in life call for a little sage advice, which is why we're physician-owned and led. DuPage Medical Group, we care for you. episode of the Moms Network is brought to you in part by DuPage Medical Group. We care for you. Welcome to the Moms Network. On today's show, my co-host Lindsay, Grace, Eric, and I are digging into birth order, which was developed by Alfred Adler in the 20th century. Some researchers and psychologists consider it to be one of the most powerful influences in personality. So how about all of you? Where do you fall in the order and does it fit your personality? This is such a fascinating topic. I am the youngest of four. So I have three older brothers and actually I'm kind of a mixed bag after just looking at the different traits of the youngest. While I find that I am more outgoing, I am definitely not uncomplicated. If you wanna ask my husband, he will verify. Um, and I'm certainly not a risk taker either. And I'm definitely not more defiant. So I found that really interesting, but I think it's also because I have three older brothers. I was raised differently as the only girl. So it's not quite as true for me as it might be for someone else. Right. So for you, you were kind of like the firstborn girl, right? And, and so, well, I know for this segment, we've been hosting this show for two and a half years. And it's literally the first time I felt like I truly had to do research because I didn't know all that much about it. So I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and name some of the characteristics that the researchers have found that fall into first, middle, and youngest. Um, and these things we found from... Um, Parents Magazine, and also the Business Insider. So those are the two uh, sources that I'm sourcing for this. Um, the firstborn tends to be reliable, structured, controlling, an achiever, uh, likes a lot of attention, has a feel, fear of failure, takes charge, is a CEO, can be CEOs or founders of things. Um, the middle uh, child tends to be that child that they say gets kind of lost in the shuffle, right? You're not the oldest, so you didn't have the strict rules. You're not the youngest where you're the baby, but you're kind of in that middle uh, 
workplace. So they say that people are kind of people pleasers. They're feeling a little left out. They get a little rebellious. Um, they thrive on friendships because they get a little more attention from their friends and their family. Some of the research says um, they're peacemakers. They go with the flow. They are good compromisers. And then on the youngest, those, those babies, they're more fun-loving, uncomplicated. They say they're a little manipulative, um, outgoing, attention-seeking, center of attention, charming, um, and they really take a lot of risks. Um, so Erica, where do you fall on that spectrum and how do you kind of classify yourself? I'm the oldest and all of those things are true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I only, I have one younger brother. We're about four years apart. Um, I have a daughter and a son and they're three years apart and she's first. I also think gender, you know, plays a little mm -hmm. bit of a role. Like Grace said, well, I was the first girl. Um, when I think about how I was and how I am, yeah, I mean, I was the first to want to get a job, right, outside of the home, just chomping at the bit at 13, 14, let me make my own money. Um, definitely fear of failure, definitely a leader, a planner, a doer, um, bit of a perfectionist. So that all makes sense. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Lindsay? I think this is so fascinating. Like Grace said, um, I think my own kids fit to those um, cues perfectly. We have a almost five-year-old daughter and then a two-year-old son. And our daughter especially is just like Erica said, every single thing that you mentioned is exactly how she is, even at just five. Um, I'm the youngest. I have one older brother that's two years older than me. And I think we're reversed. I think I should have been the firstborn. <laughs> And uh, he falls more into the the baby of the family. Um, he's still he's he's very high achieving, very motivated. We both were um, as a family, but I just was so much more of that rule follower, rule follower, people pleaser, um, more high achieving. He was more high achieving in school, but he didn't try as hard. So things came very easily for him. Um, and he, he was that kid that got great grades, but he would just not turn in homework and then get a zero and he didn't care. And I had to work very hard at what I did, but I was very, very rigid in what I did and, um, never broke the rules. I didn't drink at all till I was 21. I didn't sneak out with friends. I didn't do, I didn't party. You know, I didn't do any of that. I was just very much that firstborn, um, high achiever, like the research says, which is so interesting, even though I'm not the firstborn. <laughs> I know for myself, as I was looking at this, um, I certainly, um, you know, I run my, my own businesses and I'm a kind of a take charge. Um, I try not to be bossy, but I'm sure I come off bossy sometimes. Um, center of attention, I, I definitely can like some attention sometimes. But then there were a couple of things on here where I was like, oh, that's not me at all. I'm not super structured and I'm not inflexible. I am super go with the flow, fun loving. Oh, you need to change it up? No problem. So there are a couple of things that I didn't resonate with, but like you, Lindsay, my sister is two and a half years younger. She, I mean, she definitely hits some of these things more than, more than I do. She did really well in school, which not only was she super smart, but she applied herself a lot. And, and I remember she would have friends over in the basement and we have this story that we tell all the time. I'm sure she's just so sick of hearing it. So sorry if you're watching Amy, but she was playing business 
with her friends. And we just could hear her from downstairs going, guys, you're not doing it right. And so she was, <laughs> she was yelling at her friends that they weren't playing the game correctly. Um, so, but man, that, that um, go get them has certainly led her to an incredible career. And she's a business leader in her community in Estes Park. And, and when things go wrong there, people look to Amy to see what are we going to do to solve this? So uh, it certainly played out well for her. For my boys, they are 14 months apart, um, and Christopher is certainly that take charge, um, uh, you know, go get them type of person, achiever, and Nick is the youngest. I don't have a middle, so I don't know how that plays into all of this, but fun-loving, uncomplicated, he's go with the flow, risk-taker, I don't know that I see him being a super risk-taker, but um, but for the most part, he's kind of our easygoing, likes to make people happy type type of kid. I think the risk taker part is really interesting because I think for our kids, my son is more of a risk taker because he is more easygoing. Um, so he's not, he's not necessarily super naughty per se, but he just, I think seeing his older sister do more things has allowed him to do things that she wasn't doing at a younger age. Like for example, this morning, Emmy was jumping on the couch and I redirected her and Eli started jumping on the couch. And I said, Elijah, Peter, sit down right now. He goes, trust me, mama. He is barely talking. And he just was like, trust me. And I'm like, no, he will not be jumping on the couch like that. We have a rule that they can go to the playroom and jump on our little mini trampoline. So he just, he's just more, he just pushes us more, I think. And I think he knows maybe he can get away with a little bit more because he's, you know, we're busier with we're in a very similar situation. My oldest is seven. My youngest is three. My seven-year-old, he is a rule follower. He likes structure. He's go with the flow, but he wants to know the flow. So <laughs> he's very, he could be flexible as long as he knows what's on the table ahead of time, if that makes sense. Um, whereas my younger one, he is rebellious. He is a risk taker. He has had more independence at a younger age just because of the balance of having both of them at the same time, especially now in quarantine. Um, so he just can get away with more because I don't see as much. I'm not hovering and helicoptering as much as I was with my first. That was something that the research definitely brought up that they were talking about how that second, at least that second child and, and subsequent children get away with so much more. And I know my younger son was able to go like stay away at someone's house in a different state way younger than my oldest was. We didn't purposely do that, but it was kind of like, oh, we've already done that. And you're almost the same age. And so, so Nick definitely got the privilege of being able to do things at a younger age without us, you know, worrying about it overall. Yeah. I think there's so many factors and the primary one is how do we as parents treat them? That's really why they develop those personality traits. Not because like you're born first and then all of a sudden this is innate. It's how does, how do you, how does your family treat you? Um, and I definitely could see how I treated my daughter as a mini adult from when she was born. Cause I, that's, I don't know, that's just what I knew. And I don't know if it's a gender thing too, but my son is my baby. You know, I'm doing more for him. He's actually less um, independent than she was at the same age. So I don't know. They have similar personalities, but I think I, it was my husband's the oldest as well. And my daughter, my husband and I were sitting at the table talking about this last night. And 
you know, all the three of us said, well, those younger ones, they, we're all relating to one another. Well, we're, for, we're all firstborns. We have the same perspective. You got to look, you know, at someone else. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think like, like a couple of you have touched on, I think there's so many nuances to this, right? It's, um, it's not like you, you fit perfectly into each category. And even in some of the articles we were reading about this, they talk about gender, they talk about how long in between, you know, children, right? If you have a, a 10 and a nine-year-old, and then you have a three-year-old, that three-year-old is going to be in a different place than if you were a 10, nine and seven. You know, um, I know one of the things that they brought up for firstborns was that we have a fear, fear of failure um, and, and like perfectionism a little bit. And that, that is just never, that has never really been me. I, I'm kind of like, well, if I fail, I'll learn something. I don't like failing, but it's never, it's never prevented me from taking risks in that way. What are there certain things about your own personalities that like definitely stood out to you? Like this is not, this is opposite of me. I'm very afraid of failure, especially um, as a student. I was very afraid just in general. That's why I never took risks, to be honest. Um, I was very much so a typical firstborn versus a lastborn, just because I was always playing the safe road um, from my major to, you know, and then once I became a mother, that changed, right? Because there's calculated risks that you take. And um, I've evolved a lot. So I almost wonder, you know, looking back, my kids may evolve also knowing that, you know, one's rebellious and one is not, they may shift and ebb and flow with life. Mm -hmm. um, Erica, how about you? Um, no, I, I have always been afraid of failure and always tried to push myself and it's always been innate. Um, never for my parents, especially even in our Naperville culture, a lot of people will say, oh, it's the parents, it's the parents. I see it in my own daughter. It's her. It's, it's <laughs> who she is and it's who I was and am that you just want to prove to yourself that you can push yourself and do the best that you very, you know, that you, that you can. What I need to teach her as a parent is that that's all I need is your very best. If that very best is not an A, if that very best is not said major, that's okay. It's your personal best. And so when you're teaching your kids, you're kind of reminding yourself, right? And giving yourself those lessons too. Yeah, that is, that is so true. How about you, Lindsay? I was thinking about the question that you just asked too, where you said, are there traits that aren't, you know, a part of your normal birth order and that sort of thing. And I think one of the traits mentioned um, for, so I'm the, the youngest, again, of two, the baby, is um, a risk taker. I, that's such a challenge for me because I'm a business owner. So I feel like I'm a risk taker to a certain degree in that regard, but I don't like to do risky things. Um, I don't like to push the envelope. I don't like to upset people. I don't, I, I don't think that I, overall I'm a risk taker. So I think that would be one cate category of that youngest that I don't fall into, that I kind of, like you said, categorize myself more as a overall firstborn by characteristic versus my actual birth order. Yep. Well, I, I think it's uh, so true that there's going to be some things that we identify with and for many reasons, some things that we don't. And the, the research kind of seems to be some are very, very specific about this is a huge deal and some are kind of like, I'm not so sure about this. Anyway, birth order is an interesting topic for discussion. I think we'll all have to keep a watch out for our kids and see if they fall into these categories as they get older. We'll be right back with more from the Moms Network. Stay tuned. 
This episode of The Moms Network is brought to you in part by DuPage Medical Group. We care for you. 